young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever, in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together. You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the Wall Report. All aboard the AM departure from platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. What's up in War Eagle, Auburn family, your guy Ike Jones here with Auburn Memes back in the Lobtown Station, man. We are here on the Auburn Express talking a little Auburn basketball. Auburn handles business on the road against South Carolina in rather dominant fashion. Another wire-to-wire road win for the Auburn Tigers. You love to see it. Memes, how are you feeling today? Well, we're still feeling good. Been on a run. I mean, whatever happened after that Georgia loss, one, two, three, four, now five games in a row. Pretty solid wins that I would say have been building momentum on each other. The things that we want to be seeing getting better between these games have been the things that have been sort of just kind of ball and chains around the legs that have been kind of holding this team back seem to be loosening and getting a little bit better and polished out. That's what we're looking to see. And now, obviously, here you got a pretty solid matchup this coming Wednesday versus Texas A&M. You took care of the two games on the road. I think we said uh, in previous episodes here, going 2-0 and in those road games, that's that's big time. And yeah, while LSU's down pretty bad right now, and South Carolina has definitely been toward the bottom. I mean, what they did early in the season shows anybody can beat anybody. And yeah. You don't ever want to take those for granted. I think it was everybody on Auburn's team said that they prepared for them like they would if they were playing the best team in the country in the tournament. So that really came to show they could have put whatever score they wanted to on that South Carolina team. So we, as yeah. we say, we take those away games. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, it was literally the first play of the game is a wide-open duck for Jani Broom, and it seemed as if that is kind of how the game went, right? We were getting a lot of... Rim runs, getting out in transition. Wendell Green, man. Wendell Green was freaking a magician. He was a wizard out there. He pretty much could get whatever shot he wanted. He was setting up teammates for whatever shot he preferred that they had. Um, and it, there, there just wasn't really an answer from South Carolina with him on the floor. Um, it seemed pretty clear early. Uh, let's just kind of talk about the progression of the game, and then we'll talk about some of the the better um, play that we had in that game because I do want to talk about Johan Trehor Treyor's game. I said Trehor. That's a terrible. Oh gosh, if a Bama fan hears that, I can see that being on Twitter right now. But anyway, Johan Treyor's game. Um, I thought he played well. But let's just talk about just the progression of the game. It seemed very early, and I tweeted about this. If you guys are following me on Twitter, they were going to try to hedge early against the pick and roll. That was their strategy. We're going to jump out on the pick and roll. And we're trying to double the ball to get the ball out of Wendell Green's hands, right? It never worked. It never worked. 
And you can see that in multiple layers of that's how they wanted to do. We want to attack the ball handler up top, move the ball out of the primary ball handler's hands and get them flustered at the top of the key, whether that was in their man-to-man or whether it was in the one-three-one zone press. That was what South Carolina's strategy was, right? Um, it worked a little bit when it wasn't Wendell Green up top, but when he was in the game, he was controlling the pace and they just didn't really have an answer for the pick and roll and they didn't have an answer for, for Wendell Green getting downhill. Yeah, and you definitely saw throughout that game, South Carolina was trying to mix up just any type of defensive packages they could. They did a lot of different shifts throughout that game. And very fortunately, nothing really seemed to work, which is good. Shows Auburn's ability to adapt on mm-hmm. the fly and and the good in-game coaching. And it just, nothing nothing they did, they just couldn't stop them. And that's what was beautiful. You did notice a massive difference between Wendell was in the game versus when um, Trey was subbing in. And I think that just really goes to say, I'm not going to put as much of that on South Carolina's success. It just goes to say, veteran player versus a younger guy who's still learning the game at this level. But regardless, they uh, they absolutely took care of business that game. I think it's hard-pressed to say. You can make a pretty solid argument here between um, Janai and Wendell, who you'd want to say would have been the, the player of the game, but both of them just had fantastic games. Yeah, uh, Janai's super efficient. Like he was, he He finally found his range on that little medium-range, middle-of-the-paint push shot um, that he had like that Jalen Williams is kind of that's that's his thing right like he shoots that medium range really well Janai finally found the range on that if uh if he's shooting that shot well good luck defending Auburn I'm just saying good luck defending Auburn if he's shooting that shot well because if you zone him up they're just going to flash him to the high post he's going to turn around and make that shot if you play man they can throw it to him down in the post. And then if he can become a more effective passer, then passing out of the double team, which you got Jalen Williams, who's great at cutting off the basketball, and Alan Flanagan, who has done a really great job of cutting off at the basketball and finding holes to peruse in, in the defense. And then Wendell Green, if he's shooting like he's been shooting of recent, like he hasn't been like sniper from the outside, but he has been a guy that you just can't leave open if he finds that groove. It's a really tough team to defend, and it's a different offensive team than the offensive struggles we saw early in the season when you talk about a Northwestern game or you talk about a Memphis game or uh, what other game did we look up? USC. Like, we just weren't shooting the ball really well against those teams, um, and people were just like, this team can't score. It's not a different offensive it's – a, it's a different offensive team, I should say, right now because, number one, uh, even though I do think they fell into that pattern a little bit this game, they haven't fallen in love with shooting the three as a first option. And then number two, we're way more efficient from the medium range, and the two-point conversions have started to get a little bit better on the interior for this team of late. Yeah, absolutely. And I would just want to zoom in on one stat particular, where if you look at the, you just look at the the stats here, and you look at the three, oh, that's seventeen point six. That's awful. When they were maybe a little comfortable with the lead, letting some of the uh, bench guys get minutes. I mean, that was when they were just chunking up balls just yeah. for the for the hell of it. And that definitely padded away that uh, those three-point numbers to look far worse than they were. And they were really shooting unnecessary threes at the time, and it was right. more just, hey, we're going to go out there. I, I'm going to say it was more just, hey, we got green lit. You know, we're up 25. We just got the green light to go have fun. Right. And that's what that really looked like. So I would really take that number and not really harp into it too, too much just because it was a lot of just – Everybody wanted to shoot up at three, and Treyor made two, which was we Amazing. didn't 
Yeah, I mean, who who saw that one coming? Be- two beautiful shots, and he probably took a, a few of those toward the end of the game, and they're getting some of those bench minutes. Probably, as we said earlier, unnecessary. But hey, you're up twenty five. Go out there, have some fun. Get a get your get your away game win. Make it make a flash statement here, and then as stated, I mean, they really Auburn generally could have doubled up the points. I mean, they could have probably beaten them. 60 something they probably could have put near 100 plus if they had really kept their foot on the gas this whole yeah. game but the thing i mean we already kind of teased up with wendell we already teased up with what um broom did what were some other players so you say all right we got to circle them for a good or a bad reason yeah i mean so uh, i'll start with the good and i will mention uh, i mentioned it briefly this is the easiestly the best collegiate game johan treor has played so far um, he actually contributed on the offensive end in a meaningful way. He didn't have bad minutes on defense where he looked lost. Um, and I think it's going to be important for him to be able to make that corner three, uh, which he was able to knock down in this game. Because when you're doing the flex action, that's the danger of Jalen Williams on, on that, right? Is that you, you know, you, you cover the flex by, you know, covering whoever the the screened man is, but the screener is usually going to be open on some sort of trail on the backside. That's usually the place where Jay Will's getting a lot of his open looks. If they're going to just leave Treyor open to shoot that shot or that corner shot that comes out of the rotation, and he can knock that down with 30 to 40% accuracy, uh, it's a different proposition when he comes into the game because now the paint's wide open, right? And so whoever the post player is that's opposite of him is open for more rebounding. He played a much better game didn't have a bunch of crazy turnovers in this game. Uh, he looked more comfortable out there. And I think that started with the previous game of him getting a few more touches late in that game and getting an opportunity to just be a basketball player. He felt more, he, he looked more comfortable out there. So I'll say from a good perspective, definitely an underrated one. And then the other guy, and I've remarked on this before, that I feel like underrated playing really good basketball right now much different type of player, maybe not the guy that Auburn fans are used to, is KD Johnson. KD Johnson's out there. I don't think he had a turnover in this game. I got my playing, stats pulled up. Playing turnover-free basketball for a guy who everybody's like, oh, he's out of control all the time. He's he's a liability. Making some good finds, and, and he, I mean, he had assists in this game, but he didn't have a turnover. Uh, knocking down a couple of open shots, playing with pace in the open court. No he turn- can't ask for much more. No turnover. It says he did not get credited with an assist. He had one rebound. His okay. circle, his his mar of this one would definitely be the four four personal fouls that Bruce yeah, and Bruce got was him upset at him about that. I mean, because they were they were silly fouls. Like there were some of them where he's just being a little too aggressive. Fortunately, too aggressive defensively, and not on the offensive end where he's down there like just running into guys or something like that. It was the defensive end where he's trying to, he's being a little too handsy and not playing with his feet. Um, But I like the energy that he's still able to bring on the defensive end. I like that he's playing with a lot more heads up play on the offensive end. And he's found a way to be aggressive without being out of control. And I think Katie Johnson had an effective game. Might not have been, again, stat-wise, you're not going to, it's not going to jump off the screen to you. But if you go look at the minutes that he put in and how effective he was when he was in the game, um, I think that Katie Johnson had a good game. Well, what's really interesting here is you're seeing this game, especially that they're not doing any type of unique personnel combos. So, example, Wendell Green, 31 minutes. 
Trey Donaldson, nine. Hmm. Janai Broom, 30. Cardwell, nine. Leo Berman had eight minutes. Alan Flanagan had 32. Zepp Jasper had 22 minutes. Katie Johnson had 18. I'm assuming everybody here has seen the, seen the trend so far. Right. So, and then Jalen Williams, 30 minutes. Trey Orr, 10. I mean, it's just exactly adding up to 30, adding up 30, adding up to 40 with your starter and their backup. There was no mix and matching of combinations to, and maybe that was just the sole factor because we just didn't need to. I mean, it just kept it, kept it very black and white with, all right, here's my starters. You're in this time. When you're out, your guy behind you immediately comes in. Obviously, with Chris Moore out, you're going to have a little bit more of a, um, less of a mix up there to add kind of where Chris goes because I know he can kind of sub out for a few different spots as well in there. But I don't think we've seen a game to where, like, top to bottom, it has been almost that black and white. So, you know me, I'm always a big fan of throwing, hey, throw the three guards in there, throw a few big guys, like just doing different types of personnel combinations that's always seemed to throw teams off. I know they, uh, it's always my favorite thing. I loved it when they did it last year when you see KD, Wendell, and Zepp all in there at the same time. But I'm not the coach. We're going to trust what they did. The results speak for themselves. But there's a speaking of the start and the backup, there's a massive drop off in the plus minus. I mean, you see your starting five. This is the insane plus minuses. Then everybody else was okay to negative. Mm-hmm. So you really got to kind of sit there and say, all right, is this, are we really starting to see the gap between, hey, these are our starting five and this is our guys on the backup and what that may mean for the season going forward? Because I mean, you look at the minutes there. You weren't, there was a minute there. You look at some of these other games, minute breakdown, you were not seeing maybe one player get 30. Most everybody was in the high 20s. They split it. I mean, here you got 31, 30, 30, 22, 32 minutes going down with everybody there, being Flanagan, Wendell, Broom, and Jalen all having the 30 plus minute mark. And then you had Zep right at 22, split even with KD. So a lot more starter heavy minutes this game. What does that mean? I don't know. I mean, you know, <laughs> we yeah, look I mean, back at I, I think it's look- indicative of Bruce Pearl and company realizing, number one, how important to our offensive continuity Wendell Green is. Mm-hmm. Like, he needs to be in there for our offense to go until we find another ball handler who can also put it in the basket. Um, KD hasn't really been that guy, and he's not really a guy to run the ball club. So he needs to be an off guard when you put him in there. And then, too, I think it's indicative of Chris Moore not being in there because when Chris Moore is playing – He's going to steal some minutes from Jalen. He's going to steal some minutes from Flanagan. Um, he's probably going to steal some Treyor minutes, right? Like they're going to go small and have him playing like the four or Jay Will playing the four and him as the three, right? Um, they could even go big and put Flanagan at the two and Chris Moore at the three, Jay Will at the four, uh, you know, Janai. Like, so they have some different combinations that they can throw out there that can still be effective. And then, you know, those Berman minutes are going to almost completely go away. When, when Chris Moore gets back in there, if this type of pattern holds true, right? Like, I just don't know where Berman fits in. He's going to have to sneak a couple of minutes for him in there um, in games where we're just going to need the outside shooting. And they're not going to have an issue with him not being as quick out top uh, guarding some of the the faster guards. Because, what you know, it, listen, this is the, the one worry I've always had for people who are clamoring for more. Uh, we need more Leo or Berman minutes because he's a, one of the better shooters on the team is the defensive end. If I'm a coach and I see Leor Berman come in, I'm putting him in the pick and roll every single time, and I'm going to make you guys switch that and put Berman on somebody who I know can get past him 
with quickness and then make him guard. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make Berman guard me for a few seconds within a possession. And he's gonna win some of them, but he's gonna lose a couple of them too. And you're gonna have to figure out how to defend on the back end against that. Um so yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see when Chris Moore gets healthy again, how that affects those rotations. Yeah, and then two there with with uh, Berman and this this game specifically here is let's be honest, like you didn't really need a whole lot of that shooting. I mean, right. when when this game and I'll say, I mean, from last year, I mean, Berman most definitely has done better on the defensive side, as I kind of mentioned, sure. probably crediting that to crediting that to what we may have seen with his time playing in Israel. But I mean, Auburn. I mean, I just, from the very beginning of this game, I mean, it it, it just showed that the, there was a mismatch. I mean, South Carolina was not ready. Auburn slugged him in the jaw. At no point was this game even getting, I mean, you know, South Carolina did claw him back into 10 when the bench minutes, and then Bruce said, uh-uh, just put the starters in there and just, <laughs> just got him right back on on pace. They're playing better basketball top to bottom. There seems to be a rhythm go- going on. I mean, I think you're seeing that too with the, I mean, the fact that Wendell Green had 12 assists, I mean, that is, Easily a season high. I don't think he's had. I don't know if he's had double no. digits assists this season. Yeah. So that's huge. And of course, what does that do? That lets Broom just go absolutely wild. Flanagan's still just nailing it with the rebounds here. I'd like to see a tad more rebounds out of Jalen, but we had thirty-five total. We'll take it. The big yeah, thing that's going to come up. Did, they did well on the glass in this game. Uh, it was there were some points in the game where um, it was clear South Carolina was being more of the aggressor to some of the loose balls, but overall, I wasn't disapp- disappointed with the effort on the glass by the team. Yeah, and I mean, there's really <clears throat> with a game like this, there's not a whole lot of complaints that you can have top bottom. Let's be real. Yeah. <clears throat> now you're, you're definitely searching if you're trying to find a complaint here. Um, again, the only thing in, in after it's immediately after saying that I'm going to complain about something, but the only thing yeah, I would say is just that the, the three, like I said, the, those situations where it's like, okay, we're probably taking a little bit to we're, we're falling too much in love with the three point shot right now at this point in the game, because they did come out shooting it well. And so it was like, oh yeah, we're back. We're going to start bombing on them. And then it's just like, okay, yeah, settle down. These are, these are not, it, these are ill-advised threes, get them in the floor of the game, make them. Um, have to at least defend you for the majority of the shot clock and, and let's get a better shot. And if it's a three cut, that's fine. But if it's not, let's get a better shot than that because that is what Texas A&M is going to do. And we'll get into the Texas A&M game. But Texas A&M is going to make you take better shots. Yeah, you don't want to fall into the bad habit. And then where they did get back up in there, South Carolina started making a few threes in that little right. in that little uh, stretch there. And the whole the whole deal is, I mean, they just... Kind of, this seems to be the tail of the tape for a few of these past few games. I mean, South Carolina said some gate or South Carolina and some of the previous games just had awful shooting like all night, yeah. especially from deep, minus the little stretch there where I think Jackson popped. Uh, he went four for eight, but everybody else just awful. I mean, um, Johnson went one for nine. I mean, other teams, and we're going to circle Alabama because they are statistically the best shooting team in the SEC right now. Auburn gave South Carolina some open looks. Now, how much of that mm-hmm. was, hey, we'll we'll let you shoot it on the house. Good luck. You're not better chances are you're not going to make it. We're going to rebound it. But overall, they do not need to give any teams those open looks because there's going to come a night where either A, you got a good shooting team like Alabama, who is just going to eat on those shot on those opportunities, or you're going to have a team 
that just any team can do it right. or just randomly go off and like, oh, wow, they shot a season high of threes. And Auburn also let them stay open and just gets in their head and you get behind and then it just snowball effects down to where you're playing catch-up basketball might even get caught with an L if you're not paying attention too hard. So don't really love some of the things I saw there. I mean, they might have just gotten a little too complacent with that cushion of a lead. But now we're we're done with what will be the easier part of the season. I mean, let, let's yeah. be honest. With with the way that it's aged out with LSU not being so hot in Mississippi State, I thought it was going to be better than they were. Not too much here. Obviously, Arkansas and their injuries. I mean, Arkansas now is bottom. I mean, where are they right now? They are ranked, like, what, 12th, 11th, 12th in the SEC? I mean, they are two and yeah. five. So that that's not as marquee. I think it's still technically a quad one win, but barely. Like, not fantastic. So A&M, I mean, they played a scrappy little game with Kentucky. Held it to Kentucky real close there, just lost it at the end. But this A&M team, I know we kind of talked about this on teasing on the last two weeks' episodes. All right, this this Saturday where is Kentucky A&M? Will A&M be the real deal? We'll see here. And my synopsis of that from watching a little bit of that game is really: Are they the real deal? Are they going to make a run in the SEC? Probably not. That kind of real deal. Now, tournament, all bets all. But as far as the regular season. Do they look danger enough, dangerous enough to potentially beat anybody? I would still say so after from what I saw from the majority of that game. So happy that one's at home. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. But it's you know it's, it's a Wednesday night game that can just be. It's a late Wednesday night game. It's a little tricky. We need the crowd to show out for this one because that's going to be a. That's one you're going to need the crowd to get them. That's where you're going to need to keep that home streak going alive. Right and. If you beat that one, I mean, you're really, 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 and you got George at home next after West Virginia away. You feel pretty good that you're going to get that good revenge game on Georgia. And then uh, we get a little stretch after that, but we'll kind of keep it contained here on this one. This Texas A&M, this is going to be a big pendulum shifter for Auburn because A&M sits right now fourth in the SEC. And I kind of mentioned, you know, with the tiers of the SEC, kind of the top four, top middle five, bottom five, shifted some of those fringe teams any way you want. I mean, Auburn right now is tied for second in the SEC, which is just wild and wild to even think about right now. Right. So, and you're just one one loss behind Alabama there. So A&M is also five and one. So you have one loss there. So this is going to be the best SEC team, let's say on the eye test and on paper that Auburn's faced so far. Fortunately, it is at home, and that's really going to be the marquee test of if they have another just really commanding win against A&M, you're going to see a lot of chatter start coming around this Auburn team, I think, from a more kind of SEC as well as a national perspective, because I still think there's a lot of people that have been sleeping on Auburn just because some of those slump games that they had, come, you know, highlighting around Memphis and USC, I really do think that that eight-day period just really kind of threw Auburn down and then they lose to Georgia. So you have that whole time period there with Christmas and all that, where I think a lot of people are really writing off this Auburn team. And I think if you get it right with A&M, you might see a lot of that chatter coming up. And let's be honest. I mean, you just cut the tension between this February 11th matchup between Auburn and Alabama right now. And we're about near three, three weeks away from that. Yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been very, uh, aggressive the chatter has been on social media around these two teams 
nothing like a front running fan base to talk a lot. And yes, I am talking about you, Bama, um, because they they don't talk anything when they're not playing like this. Um, and I mean, it's even it's it's even gotten to the players though, right? Like it was one thing when the fans are chirping at each other, but when, once the players start taking note of it, you know it's going to be a contentious situation. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. But I do agree with you. Texas A&M is going to be a good barometer game to see where we really are right now because you had a stretch of not-so-good teams that you've played against that's boosted your confidence and given you some cushion uh, that you needed, you know, rightfully so, a cushion in your schedule and the number of wins that you're going to have uh, in, in the SEC. Uh, but, you know, let's let's be frank about it. South Carolina is not very good. Kentucky went aside. They're not a very good team. Uh, LSU, not very good. Ole Miss, not very good. Mississippi State, uh, tough team, very good defensive team, good on the inside, but overall, not a great offensive team, so not very good. Arkansas, kind of a shell of itself, um, as you mentioned, with the injuries, so definitely a good, a quality win, but not necessarily taking the best shot from that team. So a lot of stuff still out here to be said as to whether or not Auburn, because the big thing is, can Auburn shut down a team that can actually score, right? Because none of these teams could score for real. Like Arkansas didn't have any out perimeter shooting. Mississippi State couldn't buy a shot from the outside. Ole Miss, very sporadic team um, when shooting. South Carolina didn't shoot the ball very well. Can Auburn keep pace with a team? LSU, not a good team, right? Can Auburn keep pace with a team that can actually score? This, uh, Texas A&M team, I don't know. I mean, what are they averaging right now in points per game? So I'm about to, I'm, I'm, I got that. I'm already ahead of you here. Let's go check this out here. Statistics. 74 and a half? Yeah, they're averaging 74 and a half. Their leading scorer, their guard is just under 15. Their other guard is about 13. And then their uh, forward here is at 10. So definitely going to be a guard heavy from the scoring standpoint. But, Which has been an yeah, issue I mean, for Auburn. The games that we've lost, the guard play is where we've lost yeah. that battle, essentially. God, who was that guy from USC who just went off, got like, what was it, 28 points? Just absolutely murdered Auburn. <laughs> that was not fun. Uh, Hold on. I, yeah. I think That's I got it right here. Um, yeah, I mean, he he went off because, I mean, the problem is you'd foul him and he would, uh, Ellis. Oh, yeah. That guy. Boogie Ellis, he just he went yep. bonkers on Auburn, and uh, yeah, twenty eight points, nine for fifteen, eight for ten for free throws. I mean, that guy just was not missing. And and you're right. I mean, if you've got a strong guard play that has seemed to been their kryptonite so far, so hopefully that's something you kind of look at a guy like Zepp and you're like, hey, get that guy, you know, take care of that guy. But A and M, uh, let's look at their schedule and see some of the points they've thrown up versus some of their more marquee matchups here I mean, versus some of their wins. against Missouri. Yep. Um, they only scored 54 in their win against Florida. Okay, well, I'm looking here. Florida. Yeah, so as I'm kind of looking here versus a and schedule, I think we're kind of on the same page here because they played Memphis as well, had 83 to 79 and that's, I guess, the only matchup. They also lost to Memphis. Let me add mm-hmm. that there. Uh, they beat Florida 66-63, LSU 56. So if you're looking at just the the transitive property here, which is my favorite barometer of all sports, let's be honest, it's a pure science. This team hasn't been scoring a whole heck of a lot. Now, they did beat South Carolina at South Carolina 94-53. Yeah. to 53. yeah, they beat the breaks off South Carolina. Nine, 94 points a lot. 
Yeah, but once again, I think had Auburn not taken the breaks off, they could have put a hundred on that South Carolina team at South Carolina. Yeah. So we'll kind of see how it ends up going. Uh, it, it honestly could be a fairly interesting matchup between these two teams because I think they're both probably looking at this game, saying, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna go see who's real and who's not out of this one." So I'm sure Texas A&M has a similar type feeling for this game. Very fortunate it is at Auburn. But if we're looking at the rest of the schedule, kind of seeing how things play out here, the only, I would say, easy game that Auburn has left on the schedule is going to be that Ole Miss game February 22nd at home. I'll even put me an asterisk by that Georgia game because it will be there, but I think Georgia's a much better team than Ole Miss is right this second. And we talked about this off-air uh, last time we're going up to the uh, the... <laughs> Uh, st- the the stati- the game statistics of who was gonna uh, what the what the odds were for each game and that Auburn Ole Miss game the predictor there is eighty seven point one percent Auburn win Georgia the odds predictor there is eighty seven point nine so I guess the computers the science have both those games as easy dubs for Auburn about evenly but everything else and I'm even gonna put at Vandy's a little difficult when they're and Missouri can be a scrappy team, even though statistics still say Auburn has an 85.1% chance of winning that one at home. I'm still going to say that one's going to be a bit more on the harder side just because that Missouri team has shown to be just randomly scrappy. Everything else just is absolutely going to be tough. <laughs> there's not a, there, there's just nothing. This The schedule does not really even out. It was very, very soft to just very, very, very hard with a little like oasis there with those little easy home games sprinkled in. Yeah. But I mean, it, I mean, there's no. But I mean, when you're looking at the schedule at the beginning of the season, that's not how you think that's going to pan out. You think you're going to get an early test with Arkansas. You think you're going to have a better LSU team than you have, and you actually probably think that Georgia's a little bit easier game than what it ends up being. So, um, you know, it's interesting to see how this has started to turn in a different direction. But the end of the season does look absolutely brutal, and you know, you're 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 lucky that you had some time to figure some stuff out and hopefully the things that you figured out about yourself, you can continue to improve upon now that you've gotten into somewhat of a groove in your rotations. Uh, the Chris Moore injury does hurt that rotational uh, continuity, but uh, hopefully, you know, the con- contributions of other guys getting some minutes here will will allow you to be in a better place. Have they gotten word when he's going to be back? Uh, he was dressed out in this last game, so I don't know exactly when he's going to be back, but um, if, if, just the um, the nature of his in-game attire says anything. Uh, he's he's getting closer because you know he was in a sling, you know, in the uh, the previous game, and then in this game, no sling was dressed out over on the sideline. So I would assume that he, if they needed him, he could have played in this last game. But they were just like, nah, we're just gonna rest him. Uh, rest so him. I would assume got too much. He, <laughs> yeah, I, I'd assume that he might be available for. The Arkansas, um, excuse me, for this uh, A and M game, um, but one of those situations again where if they could if they could steal another game without having to play him, they probably will. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I mean the the things that we're loving is like the 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 Wendell slump seems to be going away. The Broom yeah. is really coming into his own and getting his identity going on this team. Flanagan, I mean, are we ready to say Flanagan's back? Because if we're not, we're getting pretty damn close. Like Flanagan's like. He's 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 flashing a lot of back right now. He, he's radiating mm-hmm. back. Zepp is just doing his Zepp thing. He's just staying doing consistent, absolute menace on defense. Jalen Williams, I I don't even think we're we've seen all of no. what he has to offer yet. I mean, I still think he's Jalen Williams his own bag. 
Yeah, man. I mean, Coach Pearl has said this a couple of times. If Jalen Williams ever figures out that he's as good as he actually is, um, you can put a you can put a bunch of teams on notice because he has the capability of pretty much getting whatever shot he wants whenever he wants it because of the way teams defend us. They defend Jalen like he's not that guy, so they give him a lot of opportunities from the medium range um, on those little duck downs that he gets close to the basket, and he can step out and shoot the three, man. If he starts saying to himself, hey, I don't have to pass the ball out of this situation. I can just turn and shoot up over this guy, and he shoots it with confidence, he can score 20 a game. That little mid-range floater he does from like around the free throw line, like every time, multiple times a game, where like every time I see it, like, oh, that's, that's, that's a miss. And it just goes in every time. And I'm like, yeah, good. Do, do more of that. Then he does it again. I say the exact same thing. And I'm like, no, it went in. All right, we're good. That shot has just been absolutely lethal to some of these other teams. And he's gotten really, really good with just getting down low and just getting a good pivot around a guy and just getting these kind of long-distance uh, layups. Kind of like you know hitting hitting high backboard and they just seem to drop in. So his maneuverability at multiple points to score from multiple places, close, mid, and from for three, awesome. Love to see that. Yeah. His free throw is still good. So I mean he he does have to solidify himself as like, hey, I might be one of the most versatile shooters on this team. And as we've saying, if he can just peel back some of those own layers and look at his own potential in the mirror and see that and start putting that on the court. On top of all the other things going right with this team, like the direction of this team is going to be pretty, pretty hard to stop. And then it really, really may boil down to circle that February 11th game. I mean, that could be playing for the SEC right there. Like the winner of that game is going to take the SEC. Can't discredit Tennessee in there, but I digress. We'll we'll keep it going there. Tennessee's a better matchup for us, though. Like, let's be clear. Tennessee is not as good offensively. They've played better of late offensively, but... The, the worst matchup for us is Alabama because they can score so well. Not because I, I don't think Alabama can realistically defend us really well. Bediaco does do some things on the interior that will make it dif- difficult. And they do have some scrappy guard play out top. Um, but Tennessee is a better matchup for Auburn because of what Tennessee lacks in ability to score the basketball. Yeah, I mean, the Alabama game should be... On paper, you know, you say should, and it always ends up being the opposite. That should be a very high-scoring game. If you look at it, just as you said, Alabama's defense can leave to be some things to be desired for sure, but Alabama has not really played a really high-caliber, high-shooting team. They are, we don't really know what Auburn's, because there was all the defense, this Auburn team, they can lean on this defense. Well, we hadn't really had a reason to even test that defense because Auburn hasn't really played a great offensive team in a minute here. But... I'm just looking at, at Alabama's um, SEC play here. I mean, you got Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Arkansas, LSU, Vandy, Missouri. None of those are like you're not looking at any of those teams. And, oh, that's a that's a great shooting team. The most the most points that someone has put on Alabama in SEC play was Arkansas was 69. We got to say your obligatory. Nice. So no one in in the SEC has put over 70. On Alabama. Now, Memphis, who Auburn did play, put 88 on him. Gonzaga put 100 on him. North Carolina game went overtime, so I'm going to, you know, I can even hit that one up. Michigan State put 70 on him. And then, okay, yeah, so on there. So not a ton of teams have thrown up 70 on this Alabama team. 
But the way that this Alabama team kind of forces you to play in the positions they get you into, when they pop, 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 they're, shoot, they're forcing a lot of these teams to shoot from deep. And that's what they're daring them to do just from watching some of their games because you get behind, hey, we got to start making threes. And they just, those aren't happening. And Alabama's been such a second-half team too because they, they keep it pretty low scoring in the first half. And they keep it pretty even. I mean, they went tied. I think they went tied in half versus the Arkansas. This game in Missouri, they were neck and neck with Missouri for right there in the end. And for whatever reason, something just absolutely changes in the second half. I don't know what switch hits, yeah, but that's well, this, been the most Missouri was taking dangerous a lot of really part about bad shots in that game. That was a, a lot of that was bad shooting or bad shot selection from Missouri that led to outlets from Bama. And Missouri didn't play particularly great transition defense. So, um, Missouri, Missouri is as much to blame for that game as Alabama is for credit for it. Now, so, yeah, so it's going to be that matchup plus the Tennessee matchup. I think the most exciting, and they're right around the corner to see. I mean, that at Tennessee game, we'll say this: if Auburn beats Tennessee at Tennessee, February 11th is going to be absolutely insane for how wild that game's going to be. Because I mean, you probably safely say Auburn if they beat Tennessee has zero, maybe one loss going into that game at that point. If they're good enough to do that, and if they can keep keep going, keep their bag going, we'll see. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be an exciting deal. And as you said, the matchups, the matchups are key there. I mean, you've got Tennessee, AM at AM, then Alabama. If you factor in Auburn, I mean it seems as of right now, one of those four teams is going to win the SEC. That seems to be a pretty safe bet so far. So you yeah, happen I don't, to play. I don't see anybody the, dark horse coming to come in to unseat one of those four for the SEC crown this year. Right. I mean, you, you got to look at that and say, all right, well, the, the top four of the SEC thus far, as we see it, you got to play them bam, bam, bam. And then two of those three are away. So that's going to be a uh, that's going to be a fun stretch. And then you get to do it all again with Kentucky mixed in there for your last three games of the season. So Really, uh, really fun way the schedule plays out, but it's going to be exciting. I mean, this we'll just say if Auburn really does find a way to turn this thing around and turns on the heat, you're going to be looking at kind of a 2019 esque run where it was a team a lot of people were writing off, and then the second February hit, everybody's like, "Where did this? Where did they come from?" And we'll tell you that if that ends up happening, I'm going to say it's happening. I'm going to say it's happening, but if it does, it's not impossible. It's going to be absolutely lit. I'm ready for it. Yeah, I, I am definitely uh, anxiously anticipating that matchup again. Uh, social media has has amped up. I think the the chirping that's happened. Like before, you know, you had it had to be press clippings, right? Like somebody had to say something crazy in a press conference. Now everybody's got access to stuff that everybody can see, and it becomes immediately a thing that everybody is taking note of. So it has definitely ratcheted up the the rhetoric that's around this game. I think this game has become more contentious from a player standpoint than even the football game like the fans are more ratcheted up on the football side but the Bama players versus the Auburn players these last couple of years it's been it's been downright toxic <laughs> the level of, of vitriol I think that's happened on the court between these two teams and, and I actually love to see that rivalry become this heated in basketball because I think it deserves it because these two programs have gotten so much better in basketball. And so now it's it's a higher quality of what's going to be happening on the floor. But uh, we'll definitely see, see what happens as we get closer to that game. But I feel uh, hopefully this Auburn team, a lot of guys returning from last year, remember what happened in the SEC tournament and are taking this Texas A&M game very personally. And they're going to go out here and show them um, that they remember 
how badly Texas A&M made them look in the SEC tournament and, and turned this into a really um, quality home win for Auburn. We'll see how it happens, but I'm hoping that's the case. Yeah, too, and I think you're right. I hope that maybe having two away games got the crowd just missing, missing seeing the boys play at home, and it's going to get those stands packed out. Now, you know, it stinks this is 8 o'clock on a Wednesday because it is tough for the non-students to get there, and <laughs> hopefully they do the right thing there and they just open up the regular seats to the students if a lot of the regular season ticket holders can't get out there because that is tough with work and school the next day. And it appears, let's check the other factor here that can always uh, play a role into that is the weather. And right. you do have a 70% chance of rain in Auburn Wednesday. I don't know if that's during the day or the evening, but that can always play a negative factor into if people even decide they want to travel and get out in the rain. So hopefully all the same, there will be enough people who can get out there. I mean, it's, it's according to the ESPN ticket estimators, the pricing seems pretty fair for tickets now. So hopefully that should be pretty favorable. It's just wild that you see pretty moderately priced tickets. All of a sudden you get this Alabama game and they jump up to $242 a ticket. So pretty wild, a uh, pretty wild jump there, which I think that, that has everybody, Really excited for that game. And of course, the Tennessee game at home is uh, also over $100 a ticket as well, the guesstimated averages. So it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a pretty heated season. I would not be surprised if Auburn keeps these wins up at those, if the excitement seems to follow, because that's what really, that's what got people rolling, rolling for it. Uh, you know, getting, getting invested last year was that excitement around it. And, and even thing, I'll just say one last thing. It, they showed it and talked about it a lot. And I saw it on social media. A lot of Auburn fans traveled well to that South Carolina game. Yeah. You, you heard, so, you heard him in the crowd on, on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the a, things I think is really good about how this fan base is. And uh, I don't know if you saw um, them imploring a, another good travel session from fans for the West Virginia game. And Charles Barkley uh, apparently may be attending that game because he's going to be on a fundraiser in the area. Um, so trying to get the Auburn faithful to show up and, at the West Virginia game is going to be another good thing. But Auburn's traveled fairly well. Um, or I mean, I, I say traveled well, but we have fans from all over the country. So when Auburn's in the area, it's almost like a a tour, right? So you, they're going to be close. I'm going to go check the, this game out because I don't really get an opportunity to get back home to watch Auburn there. So we have a, a, a fan base that is rapid in most parts of the country. So it's really good to see the Auburn faithful show up for their team when they know they're going to be close by. No, absolutely. So it's going to be exciting run here and we'll see here in just a few days how the how it's going to look. And then uh, let's not forget to, we didn't talk about too much here, but that at West Virginia game doesn't really have a whole lot to play in the scope of the SEC, but it does help for tournament play, the rankings and just knowing what this team looks like that sec big 12 challenge has always been really fun the last recent years and has given auburn some tough challenges and also given them some nice uh, nice dubs i think the last one they lost was when they had to go face a very very high linked baylor so that was that wasn't the seed that you wanted to draw exactly there but hopefully this west virginia game can be a good one it is at 11 a.m so you never like an 11 a.m away game that can always be a little tricky right. the matchup predictor does have it as 41.5% Auburn, so just under 50-50% chance, which probably means if it was at a neutral side, it would be somewhere around 50-50. I'm not exactly sure how the 
percentage stats play into basketball as they do for football, which usually they say, well, like three and a half points is the mm-hmm. home field advantage in football typically. So we'll just assume there's something similar in that range for basketball as well. So yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, it could be really fun. Auburn doesn't play as well away from home traditionally. So that's factored in as well. Yeah. And we got to see what kind of balls shooting with. Cause they, you know, South Carolina had the Wilson balls. And I mean, we, we saw the results of that. So if uh, West Virginia, are they a Nike school? If they are, then that's going to be a scarier one for me. But if they got those Wilson evolutions, then you better, better be putting put like West Virginia is an Adidas school for some reason, but I'm not actually sure of that. Trying to look, we can find. Trying that. to look up some, trying to look up some pictures here of it. And I'll just say, you know, I'm gonna use my uh, Prize Picks code War Rapport. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. Well, Code Rapport, we not go. War Rapport. Code Rapport. Oh, Rapport. Right, there we go. I I've used it. Listeners should use it if you haven't. If there are Wilson balls, no, they and, are uh, they are a Nike school. Ignore everything I was about to say. Uh, don't yeah. unders hit your hit your unders on Prize Picks because that's what I'm doing now that I know that they are a Nike school in West Virginia. Hitting my unders for my shooting. So maybe some rebound, maybe some rebounds for overs if that option is there because a lot of missed shots mean more opportunities for rebounds. Because I think like this when you're making your uh, responsible picks on prize picks there we go the improv ad read that was not even planned it was masterful though masterfully done all right well we are going to get out of here a lot of great things on the horizon for auburn basketball next up texas a&m travels to neville arena hopefully we're coming back to you next time on Lobtown with a reaction to another win at home preserving now the longest active home win streak in the country belonging to the auburn tigers you love to see that great sentence there all right man we are out of here we'll holler at you guys on the next one as always make sure you check us out on social media we are at the war rapport i am tweeting at twr ike jones my guy memes is tweeting at auburn memes we'll be back at you next time until the next time and as always war eagle